Hello, everybody. Welcome to the Adequately Informed Podcast for Monday, October 18th, 2021. My name's Joe Hicks. And mine, as always, is Evan Kelly. And as always, Evan Kelly, what are we here to always do? Well, as always, we're going to be having a conversation where we discuss some of the hard-hitting issues facing our modern society. We're going to evaluate these topics in the light of facts, no matter what crazy corners those facts may come from. Along the way, we're going to keep our discussion as much as we can and as much as possible in good faith, making sure that we are giving credence to all point of views instead of merely attacking them. And hopefully, on this road, we will make sure that ourselves and our listeners remain adequately informed. Yeah, you know, we know we know. We, we, we know we don't. We know we don't know everything. Get those words out of my mouth. Then, you know, <laughs> our viewpoint, and because of that, our viewpoint is not the only one that can be valid. Other people can look at the same things and come to different conclusions. We are not on the ivory tower looking down at everybody. You know, there it, it's possible that we can be wrong and we can not have a good viewpoint or, you know, you know, be limited. We're only adequately informed, not fully informed. So, Evan, what, what's the first thing that we're going to be adequately informed talking about? Well, we're going to talk about John Gruden and as the always. fallout from. Yes, as always, talking about John Gruden. Um, this week he woke up and he had a piece of toast. Um, no, no, this week he resigned from his position as the head coach of the Las Vegas Raiders oh, why? due to some troubling emails Ooh. that resurfaced. And I know you may be thinking, oh boy, emails, oh who Did he cares? send some emails where he did not send enough security to Libya? In the face of an attack, even though protocol, you know, approved the decision. Yes, absolutely. Okay. He did, which is the worst crime an American okay. can commit. Worst emails. Okay. <laughs> um, yeah. So let me let me kind of give the rundown. John Gruden was a Super Bowl winning coach with the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, and he was currently in the middle of a 10-year contract to coach the Las Vegas Raiders, and they had been off to a good start this season. They were 3-1. and one. They were in a good position, likely to make the playoffs. And then over last weekend, um, an, an email came up as part of a separate NFL investigation, which indicated that he had used a racial stereotype to describe a, a black member of the NFL League office. And so he put out kind of the typical apology. Oh, you know, I, I work well with everyone. I don't have a racist bone in my body. Although I think that if you if you want to say that a black person has lips the size of tires and, and appeal to that racial trope of the, you know, classic blackface image, I, I think maybe one of your bones is racist at least. Maybe one of your little ear bones or like a hand bone. <laughs> Some, there, there's a bone in there that's racist if you're going to say shit like that. Um, but the email, as, as disgusting as that comment was. I mean, yeah, it's it was, not good natured ribbing, you know. Yeah, no. I was, I don't, was upset during a labor dispute. Yeah. I don't know of any black person who would, you know, accept that as a joking characterization that's in like good no. faith. <laughs> no, and Demory Smith did not. He he put out a statement condemning it. The NFL condemned it, Raiders condemned it. Whatever. But he didn't say it while he was employed 
for the Las Vegas Raiders or even for the NFL. He said it 10 years ago when he was an employee of ESPN. And so, like I said, as, as tough as that is to stomach, it was going to be unlikely that there was really going to be any true damage to his career to come from it because, you know, as much as I don't like what he said, I agree that he really cannot and shouldn't be punished by the league for something that happened when he wasn't employed by the league. Mm-hmm. So we thought that would kind of be it. He coached the Raiders lost to the Bears. Bear down. We beat John Gruden. Um, Bear we beat down. John Gruden in the last game he'll ever coach. <laughs> um, and then um, that Monday following the game, a whole wave of other emails were released that John Gruden had sent from about 2011 to 2018, which detailed not only did he hold unsavory views about race, but pretty much any um, any protected category John Gruden probably hates you, including statements that he made while he was working for the Raiders, one of the NFL clubs. So he was upset with player safety rules, which he considered, uh, he, he called the NFL commissioner Roger Goodell a pussy, and uh, an FAG for attempting to value player safety. Um, when Michael Sam, the first openly gay player, was drafted into the NFL, he said that um, you know it was a shame that they were forcing people to draft queers. Um, that was a great thing he said. Um, also worth noting, the only openly gay player in NFL history was on his team, the Raiders. So you yeah. know, not only <laughs> this, this is not like a, a hypothetical thing, like he clearly has demonstrated hostility towards the identities of people who are under his leadership. Um, and he's also I, I've heard reports that some of the comments were disparaging female referees as well as female referees have so wait he, he didn't get in the nfl he didn't get wrapped up in the like watching ellen acceptance revolution no no, no he sure dang, did not dang. she danced on her couch or whatever the hell ellen does yeah. and, and he 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 listened to the same voice of dory that you and i did and he was unmoved yeah he was unmoved. <laughs> <laughs> so it became clear that um, John Gruden was going down and he basically resigned before he made the Raiders fire him. Um, And so there are still a lot of people out there who are claiming that, you know, he should be allowed to coach still because it should be about his coaching skill and not about anything else, or that the the fact that they happened so long ago doesn't matter, or that a lot of these comments happened before his employment with the NFL should shield him from any repercussions. And it's kind of turned into this interesting discussion of actions versus patterns of behavior, the actions that we take versus the image that we want to present. Um, so, so Joe, what, what do you think about all this? We can, you know, I'll, I'll offer my own thoughts in a little bit, but, but I, I want to get your takes. I mean, really, if he resigned, that's on him. Like, yeah. What all the other talk, I mean, that's just speculation or, you know, and it's just, it, it's, I mean, he even, 
you know, even though he holds those views, I guess he saw the writing on the wall enough that said that that wasn't going to fly or, you know, he was going to be marred in controversy or or be able to lose out on a whole bunch of other things. So it's like the the dude resigned like Mm -hmm. and, you know, I, you know, this is like. This is I, I don't know, this is like adjacent to cancel culture, like because like i again the dude resigning like you know if we talk about you know like oh the mob comes and they fire him and whatever that's one thing but like the dude fessed up to it um but it it's just it it's it's um you know seeing the you know it's clearly a pattern you know it's not like he held exactly. these views long ago and it was regressive, but he's, you know, learned since then. It's that he has continued to hold these views. And also just like pro tip, don't put your shitty views in like emails. In official documents that will last forever. Yeah. Yeah. Know. Just <laughs> pro, pro tip, like do those vocally, you know? Um, so I do want to grasp onto this idea because that was his initial defense was I said this thing when I was upset with how a labor negotiation was going and it was wrong and I'm sorry. Um, but it's, it doesn't reflect who I am. But what the release of these other emails demonstrate is that pattern. Right. And so often when we talk about cancel culture or about accountability, it sort of boils down to, well, should one thing that this person do, has done really define the rest of their life? But here, I don't think it's possible to make that claim because we know that throughout his the last 10 years of his professional life, John Gruden has expressed hostility toward anyone who doesn't conform to the white male hegemony that has traditionally been the culture of the NFL. And so he clearly believes that in some form of racial superiority or inferiority, we know that he doesn't believe that gay people should be welcome into the league. And we know that he he thinks that women should not be in the NFL. All, All told, this adds up to a picture of someone who didn't just say a casually bad thing here or there, but someone who really does deeply in his heart believe in this sort of outdated power structure and it just is considered unacceptable in our modern times. Aaron Rodgers said it as much. He was he was interviewed about it and he said, you know, I, I this is definitely bad, but Thankfully, I, I don't see it a ton in the league anymore. And John Gruden is more of a, a good old boy. It wouldn't surprise me if his views were anomalous, although there's at least one other person who feels comfortable with this. Uh, the Washington football team, uh, former executive to whom these emails were sent. <laughs> um, yeah, because <laughs> that's the thing is they were investigating the Washington football team for a for workplace harassment of like the cheerleaders on the team and then all this stuff was just collateral damage from that investigation man um yeah so that's another thing that the washington post has been reporting on and more is going to come out about that as as things go on um but but that's that's kind of what i want to say about this is that 
you you can't explain it away neatly. This is clearly who John Gruden is, what he believes, and what he stands for. Yeah. But I think there there we get into a second question of is it fair because you're right that he resigned and that's not an insignificant fact but he resigned because he knew that he was going to be fired there was no way that all of this was going to pass without some major consequence for john gruden and Again, it's not about the individual acts anymore, many of which came before he was employed by the NFL, but it's about John Gruden and his character and whether or not the NFL wants him in their ranks. And this is, I think, a more interesting discussion. And it's something that we've kind of touched on plenty in the past, Joe, but, you know, John Gruden clearly has repugnant views, but... Also, clearly, he is one of the 32 people in the world best qualified to coach an NFL football team. Why should, and I'll get your opinion on this first, and then I'll, I'll, I'll provide my own, but, but why should these comments and John Gruden's personality, why should that preclude him from doing a job that he is qualified to do? Or should it at all? I mean, I... <laughs> because um, I believe that when you are like, especially at the top of the top of any sort of activity, um, there can be a lot of demands made out of you. And you're having to appease a much wider audience than you ever would have. You know, if you're like a high school football coach, you really have to appease the football boosters and like, I don't know, the, the, the school council, you know. Yeah, and, don't do anything that gets a, a bad write-up in the local paper. Yeah. Know? Like, that's kind of the worst it yeah, gets Yeah, but, you know, when as the stage gets bigger you there are more people you have to appease i mean that's where the whole idea of politically correct comes from the idea is that this was a way that you know politicians would talk or you know other people would talk as in to not alienate um people in you know in order to keep good like political connections you know like or to politically alienate anyone. If you, you know, the idea of political correctness is that, you know, ideally what you are saying does not alienate some people in order to give you the widest possible appeal possible. And and I think that, go ahead. And, and you know, the NFL is wanting to appeal to the widest possible swath possible. And so, you know, these other groups that they're trying to, you know, make, inroads with i mean i i'm sure they have a sizable inroads with the black population in the country but also gay people in the lgbtq community like they don't if it turns out that they're just turning a blind eye to someone who is even somewhat openly bigoted about that stuff then they probably don't want them being one of the leaders of their 32 teams Exactly. I think it really comes down to the appeal. And I agree with pretty much everything that you said. I just want to say it in my own words. Go for it. <laughs> um, yeah. So as much as I think like like there's there's two kind of things here. Do I think that John Gruden's words are 
morally right and do i believe that that those types of views have a place in polite society absolutely not but i also think that you know people who you don't like don't just automatically lose their job they don't just go into a hole somewhere and say you know like well fuck off (laughs) Uh but here's here's where it comes down to is that the nfl over the last few years has made a series of decisions for its brand that are attempting to brand football and the NFL community as inclusive, as socially aware, and as compassionate. And so when John Gruden has this revealed about his character, the NFL now has to choose, do we continue to work with John Gruden and compromise this brand that we've built because it's it's not just about building inroads with all of those groups who are affected it's also about building inroads with just you know sort of the the, the sensitive other people who care about those yeah. groups <laughs> exactly yeah so there there's a lot at stake here and they can choose and it's a business decision it is believe me it is a business decision do we want to remain retain our ties with John Gruden, or do we want to continue to live up to this brand decision that we've made to at least nominally care about all of these issues? And clearly the NFL made their choice. I I don't think that it is some sort of grand moral statement in either direction to fire or theoretically retain John Gruden. And again, he resigned. He he saw the writing on the wall and he took his own action. So as Joe mentioned, no one was really canceled. He just quit. Mm-hmm. Um, but either way, squeezing John Gruden out of the league was a decision that the NFL has a right to make based on what they think is best for their brand. So <laughs> everything comes down to some combination of marketing branding and the bottom line and when john gruden revealed all of these things to be true it didn't change his skill as a football coach but it made him a liability to the nfl brand and Mm -hmm. so in this case we have these market incentives and my own personal views line up very well because both result in john gruden being excommunicated yeah and rightfully so fuck off buddy well and it's i i mean i want to make another point like you know football is important in people's lives but it's like it's entertainment and it's like a perpetual game of competition that is just always existing like it's not like through John Gruden's leader unique leadership that we had massive breakthroughs in like solar panel technology or something. And, <laughs> you know, he was leading the charge and he was a shit bag, but he's also like helping save the world. You know, it's, it's not something like that. It's, it's football, you know, and, you know, he may be one of the most qualified, but, you know, while I believe that nobody should be like, I don't know, dis- completely disqualified from having a job because of their views, um, I don't believe anyone has a right to any specific job. So, mm-hmm. like, he got fired f- or he resigned from the highest echelon of football. I'm sure there may be some like small liberal arts college in a conservative state who may still have him or, you know, 
Like, mm-hmm. I'm sure he could still coach football in some capacity at somewhere in the world or become an analyst or, you know, get a... a Honestly, you know what's going to happen. What? Is he's going to get a fucking talk show on Fox News. Yeah. Yeah. That's the next stop for him. Yeah. He's going to become a conservative media darling. Yeah. Or that. Yeah. So, like... <laughs> like, um, yeah. So, his, his skills, while... Um, unique and you know valuable they are not uniquely valuable you know Mm -hmm. um so and and i also just want to say that his views like that were expressed in these emails just really shows how he believed the nfl was just a stand-in for so many other systems in the world like you know sometimes um you know someone will uh, make like a feminist or you know anti-patriarchy you know critique of certain institutions like the nfl and it's like they hold up the cis normative um head you know cis heteronormative stereo patriarchal stereotypes or you know whatever in society and then people will be like come on it's just football and then this guy's like no the NFL football <laughs> is holding up cis white heteronormative um, patriarchy and we must defend and it. And I like, like it. Yeah. <laughs> like this is why I'm into it. <laughs> so it, it, it was, you know, it, it's like he was saying the the quiet part loud. It's just, uh, you know, a little shocking. Um, yeah. And that is kind of the thing, right? Is that he in addition to just sort of the backlash that could come by keeping him, the NFL was making deliberate decisions that he disagreed with for this entire time. So when the NFL is saying, hey, we want to be more inclusive, more this, more that, he was working to undermine the goals of the institution. And, you know, whatever the politics of it are, if you have someone within your organization who is not falling in line and not going along with the master plan set about by those on the top, it's kind of unlikely that you're going to retain your power. Right. I mean, once the big wigs find out about it. I mean, that that's like a political party in a nutshell. <laughs> like, yeah. hey, if you go against the, the top dogs too much, um, they're not going to share their power with you. You know, <laughs> like if you can retain your own power, then you can maybe be a contender. But um, I, I don't know if John Gruden was uh, retaining his own power in this. Situation. Oh, my gosh. I just figured out he's not. He might go on Fox, but mostly what's going to happen is Donald Trump is going to revive the XFL again. And then he's going to he's going to be the commissioner of the, I thought XFL. the rock revived the XFL. Maybe I don't know. Whatever, whichever one Trump had, the AFL, some some shitty yeah. one. Um, USFL, USFL. I think that's. I the think one. that's the anyway. One. Yeah. Yeah. So so I, I predict John Gruden will be the commissioner of the USFL. Nice. Before five years are up. Nice. You know, and they'll explicitly say that they are the defenders of the, you know, white cis heteronormative patriarchy you know power fantasy (laughs) it's just got to be more and more of this cultural cleaving there's like a you know we have a liberal new york times we need a conservative new york times nfl's getting liberal we need a conservative nfl (laughs) where people are just like saying anti-gay slurs on the broadcasts like just go to town go nuts jeez (laughs) well and it's also just so weird to think 
back on it now that it's like controversial that there'd be a gay NFL player. Like it's not like they, you know, he's like a gay NFL player is unqualified to be an NFL player. They just like to date men. Like, you know, that's just, I don't know. It's, Yeah, so Michael Sam was drafted in 2014, but he didn't end up making the team for the Rams. Carl Nassib is a guy who had been in the league for several years before he came out. So he is, in 2021, the first active openly gay NFL player, which is kind of mind-blowing, right? And yet, it still is ahead of some other sports. Like, you just, you hear about it after guys retire. Then they feel comfortable saying, oh yeah, by the way, I was gay the whole time. But... It just there, there is such a taboo against it in the locker room that it, it takes real courage by guys like Carl Nassib yeah. to to break that silence. Yeah. I mean, what is it they say? You know, it, it's always like the first person. It, it always has it tough or, you know, they talk about, you know, like women in the boardroom. If it's just one, then their voice won't really be heard. But if there's two, then they will be. You know, it's like Mm -hmm. when there's just one gay person in the NFL, then it's, you know, it's 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 like, oh, that's just Carl. Yeah. And it's but it's also (laughs) like they get to absorb or, you know, they end up absorbing all of that controversy. Whereas, you know, if there was like, I don't know, even one person on each team that was gay, then, you know, it wouldn't be as much of a big deal. You know, it'd be spread Mm -hmm. apart. But, you know, when there's just one, you can really you know, focus your attention on that. They meet up at the for the coin toss and like, all right, do you have your captains? All right, do you have your team gay here? Yeah. Like, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. All right, this is normal. We're good. All right. Yep. We, we heads. It is everybody. Both teams are fairly represented at the coin toss, <laughs> and they look fabulous. Eh, you know they don't even have to look fabulous you know is that a is that a stereo is that a negative stereotype of the gays there could be some schlubby people i don't know yeah you know what you're right yeah they can do whatever they can just be people i think that's what we're really finding that you know queer people could just be people crazy i know people people can just hang out yeah yeah people can people can just walk downtown to the bowling alley hit a few pins and and nobody Order a glass it, of Pinot. Yeah, nobody talks about you know who who they prefer to have sex with. You know, unless they want to talk about it. You know, I don't know. Lots going on. I think this leads yeah. into our next topic, Kevin. What's our next topic? Our next topic is Dave Chappelle, specifically his um recent special the closer on netflix which has stirred up some more controversy so in recent specials dave chappelle has kind of gotten more and more antagonistic towards certain elements of the lgbt community and he's gotten a lot of negative backlash for this and so he devotes a pretty significant chunk of time in this his final yeah it wasn't just his a Netflix bit. Deal. it was like the back half <laughs> it, it was like 40 minutes of like not even, barely joking just like talking about it um so yeah joe what uh what, what else uh, do you want to fill him in on about this yeah so um 
it, it really seems like um, Dave Chappelle has a beef that people or people in the LGBTQ community have a beef with him. Like, it's not even necessarily him having a beef with them. It's him having a beef with them for having a beef with him. and Because of things he said first. Yeah, exactly. And I don't know. You just kind of get into, like, the, the whole, well, it's just comedy or what have you. But, like, and I am not the most read up person on everything that Dave Chappelle has said about trans. I mean... It's more specifically trans people. Um, Mm -hmm. This seems to be the the big sticking point. Um, You know, I guess he's said some things in the past. I mean, you know, whenever you have one of these situations, there's somebody out there who does a big, detailed, deep dive into these issues. Um, And, you know, it's like trying to meter out on a, you know, case-by-case basis. And it's like, I don't know, but it's like, Dave, you know, trans people had a beef or, you know, some trans people had a beef with Dave Chappelle. Dave Chappelle believed that that was unfounded. And so he has a beef with like trans people now. And, um, you know, even in the special, he um, went on to claim that he is a TERF, which is an acronym for trans exclusionary radical feminist, basically someone who's a radical feminist or just feminist um but believes that trans women are not part of that experience or just trans people in general are not part of that yeah it's experience. it's someone who adheres to all of the tenets of feminism and and radical equality and acceptance of all of these different social groups but not trans they, they believe that in biological essentialism and believe that anyone who expresses a transgender identity is uh, the way Dave Chappelle puts this viewpoint in his special is that he, he compares it to the way that black people see white people doing blackface that that his, his words yeah. not mine yeah um so that's that's kind of the the turf 101 yeah yeah turf 101 um if you i I have watched some pretty informative videos about this by a creator on YouTube called ContraPoints, where she talks a lot about turfdom. Um, you know, she has a big episode on, you know, like J.K. Rowling and all this stuff and comments that, you know, Dave Chappelle also um, invoked um, as, you know, things that are canceled in the crazy you know crazy trans agenda or whatever you know he wants to call it but essentially what it boils down to is that it is seeming trans people are a um relatively new group of people to claim widespread or you know somewhat widespread acceptance within society and it's something that makes some people uncomfortable, but it's, you know, also, you know, trans people, it's a really tough time, you know, um, you know, trying, facing all that pressure to, you know, change your gender. That's a big thing. And And with real world stakes, right? Like even though trans issues are beginning to become more discussed in mainstream society, there's still the very real fact that trans people experience violent crime at the rate of four times that 
of non-transgender people. So there's there's blood being spilled over mm-hmm. this. Yeah, so it's 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 a tough time to be trans people and currently what they, you know, a lot of people who are trans, the big thing that they're kind of fighting over is like just acceptance. They just want to be accepted in society. They want to be able to enjoy all the same rights that everybody has, you know, um, you know, it's still legal for someone to be fired because they're trans. Um, you know, they don't have the specific protections, I guess, more so, um, you know, you could do a legal thing where you don't really know if they would be able to be fired, but you know, someone would try it and then a judge would have to say, you know, they're included in all the other equal protection stuff, but you know, that would have to be tried. Um, but they're just fighting for acceptance or acceptance or recognition or to just be able to live their lives as they want to within that, you know, change that they feel is necessary in their lives. And what seems to happen is TERFs generally, who you know, radical feminists who are exclusionary of trans people, um, it tends to be that these are women who have faced hardships in their own lives of being a woman, whether it's being sexually assaulted or belittled or, you know, the other, you know, lots of things that in ways women get treated differently in society or in certain situations than men and it's tolerated. It's women who have experienced those and, you know, have come to terms with their womanhood and they see someone else who lived as a man all their lives um, then become a woman. And they just have a problem with that because they think that's not a woman. They haven't had to deal with all the things that, you know, we had to deal with, that I had to deal with in order to come to terms with being a woman. And so it seems like Dave Chappelle's beef is that like, so for TERFs, um, trans women are just a symbol of the patriarchy. They're men coming to masquerade as women and like put forth this patriarchal view of women that, um, you know, the radical feminists don't necessarily believe. Whereas Dave Chappelle puts it forward that he, you know, he is putting it forward that trans community has now become a more powerful minority than black people and that they are getting preferential treatment in, you know, disputes than black people are. That um, trans... Uh, the trans debate or trans people, it's a front of white people coming mm-hmm. in and using the minority um, minority rights trampling as a defense that black people have experienced all their lives and, um, you know, have their, you know, uh, experiences shaped by that. And these white people come in and you know choose to do this and then all of a sudden that they're a 
a minority with, you know, uh, issues that, you know, they they claim persecution, he finds problem with that. And that's that's really well said, Joe, and it exposes two problems, two of many problems with Chappelle's kind of ideology in the current sense. Number one is that he constructs in his special joe and i both watched this he complains that oh nobody watches my special they just attack me and repeat the talking points but we've both seen it yeah so we, <laughs> we are we are drawing on firsthand experience of watching the special um and so the, the first thing is that in his special he constructs gay and trans communities as monolithically white which is not true there's yeah. overlap between people of color there are trans people of color. There are gay people of color. Like there, there there's it, someone I follow rainbow. on Twitter who I don't agree with a ton, but he's a black gay man and has just been trashing this, you know, uh, Chappelle's skit, you know, or Is special. it Saeed? No. Well, Saeed Jones hated it too. Okay. Um, <laughs> who's also a black gay man. Um, anyway, and then the other thing is that Dave Chappelle seems to think that suffering is a zero-sum game. That if we pay more attention to the plight of the LGBT community, somehow we're going to end up with less care, yeah. I guess, to give to he the seems black community. To, he seems to believe in the idea of the persecution Olympics. Yes. Yeah. So those are, I think, limitations. And, and I guess my my kind of biggest problem with it with the special overall. I didn't like it. I guess I should say that I didn't like this special. It didn't work for me as comedy. It didn't work for me as art. It didn't, yeah. If you don't think uh, commentary against trans people is cutting, you know, like <laughs> <laughs> then it's not that funny. Yeah. And so the, the thing for me is that like Dave Chappelle is clearly very talented and clearly a brilliant mind, but because he has gained such a reputation for being someone who speaks so candidly and effectually about his experience as a black man and about that identity, he now sort of transposes that confidence into speaking about any topic, mm -hmm. right? So I think there's less things in that special that suggest that he hates trans people with a passion. There's just things that don't, come over well because he doesn't have that lived experience for example he seems fixated on the bodies of trans people and trans genitalia which is something that makes many people in that community very uncomfortable he seems blasé about violence towards people in the trans community which again is not something that people actually within that community can afford to be blasé about and he thinks it's funny to joke around with pronouns even though Again, that's just not something that the trans community, as I understand it, appreciates outsiders joking around about and having a fun time with. And then when people tell him this, instead of just shutting the fuck up, because, again, he has such an ego now, mm -hmm. he, he just has to hit back. And what he has to hit back with is just not intelligent at all. Yeah. Well, it definitely, you know, he gets really fired up that people charge him with punching down punching on trans down, people. Yeah. So in his, you know, oppression Olympics model, he believes that he's still punching up to the white 
man, you know, because he sees transness as a white phenomenon for the most part, mm-hmm. or people who wield transness as, you know, being oppressed, they use it um, against black people. And I mean, you know, there was the, you know, a, a story where, you know, someone, uh, a white person, a tra- white trans person calling the police on him, you know, that that's something that's racialized, but that does not account for, you know, just being upset at these people to begin with, you know, mm-hmm. or he keeps he he's brought this point up many times that it's like it was easier for Bruce Jenner to change his name than for Muhammad Ali to you know, change his name. And it's like, um, or Cassius Clay, I guess. Um, that's who I'm referring to, right? The right, the right person. Yeah. Yeah. Caitlyn Jenner. And then, yeah. 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 Muhammad Ali. So I, I just gotta say those were different times. (laughs) Like, um, you know, I, I, you know, Caitlyn Jenner did not come out in the, what the eighties, or whatever 70s like it's different times and you know that was just such a seems to be such a sticking point for him um so i just it it just seems like he really has some beef to have with them because they're not i i I just don't know like he's upset it it does kind of come it does kind of come down back to this idea of punching up versus punching down because this is something that I think really is the fulcrum of successful comedy is that you can, when you use comedy to attack people with more power than you, that is a radical act that is designed to bring about a better social order. When you use comedy to attack people with less power than you, you are just inflicting pain on someone when you have power over them. And that, to me, I I can't get behind that. I can't laugh when I feel like someone vulnerable is being hurt. Mm -hmm. And the, the implication of this as it relates through Dave Chappelle's idea is that he, he really doesn't understand intersectional identity because you're absolutely right, Joe. He thinks that he's punching up at the trans community because he's decided that they have more power than him. Mm -hmm. Again, he decided that when in reality, there are a bunch of different identities within Dave Chappelle and he can punch both up and down. For example, in, in the special, when he said, um, you guys, if you've been listening, you'll know that I don't hate trans people who I really hate is white people. I laughed at that. That was funny because (laughs) he's still expressing anger at the racial discrepancies within this country. That, that to me is a responsible use of comedy, but Dave Chappelle is also a man. He's wealthy. He's straight cisgendered. And so all of those identities, when he wants to go after someone with a different identity along those vectors, he is punching down, but he either chooses not to, or is incapable of seeing that. And that's where this conflict comes in. Right. And I got, I got a couple more things. One, I think it's interesting how in Dave Chappelle's special and also a lot of turfdom trans men are not roped into this. Um, because it, there are also trans people, 
like and they also have issues but they do not like activate the identities as much like um trans you know tur traditional turfs they see trans men as women so there's like a more uh you know paternalistic attitude towards them like oh they're women and they felt like they had to transition into being men and you know since we're not they're not vying for this identity that they, you know, we didn't, you know, we had to work for and they're just claiming, you know, it's like they don't feel threatened by them. Um, mm -hmm. You know, men aren't men. I don't think feel as threatened by trans men, but that may, you know, I may be off, but Dave Chappelle doesn't definitely doesn't seem threatened by trans men. You know, they're, Mm -hmm. that, that I don't even know if trans men were even mentioned once in all of this. Um, you know, it's just trans women. And I think that's where, I mean, there is more um, difficulty in that kind of respect. Like, I, this may just be speculation, but I, I think trans men have a little bit more, um, you know, ability to pass, but then they also get the... Um, qualities of men where um they you know sometimes can just be a little bit more ignored by society whereas you know women are you know attention getting and you know then you you know become a woman and you know you have all this attention on you as well and you know it's almost i, I don't know there, a lot of people have a lot of different feelings but it just seems like interesting that trans men were not part of this conversation at all um, sure. Or trans non-binary people. Yeah. But it, it is this very specific fixation. Yeah. And then also, I I think it's um, this is something that I feel like is a little overlooked, but like the trans community is not a monolith. And like if you talk to trans people like and even try and decide what gender is like you will get a thousand page forum post where everyone's arguing and some, <laughs> you know, every which way you define it, you're excluding, excluding some small sliver of somebody's identity. But like there are conservative trans women right now, and they tend to be the ones who are able to pass more as, um, you know, uh, you know, as women. So it's just like, it's not that there's some sort of big monolith that they're all a bunch of lefty cancel culture people. I mean, Caitlyn Jenner is running for the, you know, Republican, um, you know, nomination for California governor. Like, oh, yeah. Caitlyn Jenner is fucking insane. Yeah. Yeah. So <laughs> I think kind of everyone agrees on that, though. I feel like there's conservatives and liberals who are like, oh, man. Yeah. Nut job. <laughs> but it, but it's not exclusively that, you know, um, you know, transgender yeah, people hearts, yeah. believe like maximalist version of gender ideologies or, you know, are even lefties or all believe in cancel culture. I mean, that's also part of the special where, you know, he mentioned someone, a trans woman who he believed he was friends with. And, you know, it, it's just that. 
I don't know. I mean, they're they're they are people of multitudes. You know, most of these big categories that we use to talk people when you start to go to the fine details actually don't work all that well. But like, it's just the case that there are some trans people who believe that, you know, mostly trans women uh, who believe that Dave Chappelle work, Dave Chappelle's work is transphobic to them and so he has a beef with that yeah so what's the fallout from all of this well um there's been sort of a schism within netflix there have been multiple employees for netflix and people who are content creators for netflix who have spoken out against the special they have protested within the company by sitting in at meetings and one went so far as to leak financial information about the closer special, which got them fired. Um, and there is a, yeah, (laughs) yeah, they canceled that person. Um, and there is a large block of employees who are threatening to walk out on Monday when this episode will come out if a resolution is not had, but the company is really standing behind Chappelle. The, the head honcho of Netflix, Ted Sarandos, has put out multiple statements in support of Dave Chappelle and of the special and of the artistic freedom therein. And so that's that's maybe where I, where I also want to talk about this, Joe, is that when do you think that a linguistic act such as Dave Chappelle's special can cross the line and be considered something that is actually harmful in the real world to a marginalized community. Where, where do you draw that line? What do you make of it? Oh my gosh. You know, it's hard to draw lines, you know, or where to draw lines because I'm chiseling my line in concrete. Okay. Um, I just want to (laughs) say, because like, you can do a maximalist position and, you know, never have anything bad said about, you know, certain groups. But then, you know, that's too much. But then also, it I don't believe it should just be like a free for all, you know, say whatever, you know, there should not be a Netflix or I, I do not believe it would be prudent or good for society if there was some. Um, widely viewed Netflix schedule where they said they wanted to burn trans people. Um, I don't think that would be good. Um, so I, yeah, I don't know. You just get so many different ways about this. I mean, I think I level the criticism at like Dave Chappelle for saying what he did. And then also at Netflix for like, saying that this is all right on their platform um Mm -hmm. i you know since it's already out do i believe it should be pulled down probably not but like i would agree with you is this going to create measurable harm to trans people it could um it's really tough to say because you know, I don't think there's anyone who's going to watch the Dave Chappelle special and then be like, all right, let's go kill him. Let's get him. But what is reality, like I cited earlier, trans people face more violence in their daily lives or the greater threat of violence. And, you know, it's, it's 
complicated as to why it's tough to make definitive conclusions but it is entirely reasonable to say that there are some people in our society who have a propensity for violence and if some amount of these people grow up in a climate where they hear things like um you know i i I beat up a lesbian but i thought she was a man or uh gender is a fact even though it's not you could say biological sex could be a fact gender but then like what are you saying uh, about that (laughs) you know what are you trying to get um (laughs) so you know people grow up in this and then they they encounter trans people in the world and if they have fostered negative beliefs and already have a propensity for violence that violence becomes activated so it's it's complex to make these sort of big social arguments and yeah when it comes down to like artistic expression and freedom of speech i think it's important that you point out joe there's a difference between the speech and the platform so dave Chappelle can say whatever the fuck he wants he he gets to like he can't send him in jail yeah as harm him in any way i mean if um you know venues are still booking him then i guess he's still able to do things but i mean there there are people who have bad views that um venues still don't want to book but yeah yeah (laughs) um and it's all you know that's the venue's choice we we have freedom within the construct of other people's choices which is fine that's how the world works not complaining about it um but then yeah it, it it does seem a little concerning that netflix would would want to platform this and want to promote these types of ideas or at the very least they they should understand what they're putting out ted sarandos kind of feels like ah it's dave Chappelle. shut up yeah <laughs> like he can say what he wants which he, he can say what he wants but should he say that on a netflix special i don't know i don't know i mean we Um, may not think it's the greatest i mean i I mean i'm not going to cancel my netflix subscriptions but you know i might but just as a money saving thing not because of the special (laughs) um but no it's um you know we're back to you know all this stuff we say all the time you know what rights to i mean and dave Chappelle's claiming he's being canceled but i mean he already got paid for the fucker so like what a yeah the leaked the leaked information revealed that this special netted him 24 million dollars yeah yeah cancel me if that's what it means yeah shit shit. yeah cancel (laughs) cancel me right now (laughs) um but yeah it's just and it's like i i think more and more um what it is with the media these days is that you, you can find anything, almost almost anything, that can confirm some underlying views that you have. And this is a piece of media that confirms some people's views who are more skeptical of trans people. That's, that's essentially what this is. Or, you know, less accepting of trans people. It just, it confirms that their views are more valid because i mean dave Chappelle said them like dave Chappelle has Mm -hmm. been held up as a bona fide you know for for i mean almost two decades now like he is seen as like the dude and it's almost weird because you know i could see this special happening like 
seven, eight, maybe a decade ago. And this, like the same content of this speech, I mean, there would not be nearly as much to say about trans activists trying to, you know, criticize his work, but like some of the bits would be like seen as pretty, you know, radical, you know, of acceptance of trans people. Like the whole bit about trans people in bathrooms was, you know, kind of mm -hmm. funny. That would have been, you know, quite, um, you know, radical in in favor of trans people, you know, like a decade ago. But now it's just it's just a bit. Mm -hmm. So it's just I don't know. It's it I do. I, this is kind of not about Dave Chappelle anymore, but that is it is interesting what you say, like how the the media landscape is such now that you can have any opinion confirmed and that's both good and bad because there used to be a climate where there were only a couple of tv stations a local radio show perhaps and and then maybe a local paper and then the new york times and so this again was a double-edged sword because you would never have perspectives from, say, trans people or even really black people. Any sort of minorities would just never get any traction. And so we would continue to live in ignorance of these types of issues. So now, you know, those things have much more acceptance and they can be validated in an online media space. But then you also now have, oh, hey, if I am predisposed to believe that the COVID vaccine has a 40-year timer on it that Bill Gates put there, and in 40 years that's going to kill everyone who took it for population control, you can find that validated as well, yeah. and that's less good. Yeah, if you're skeptical of the government, there are plenty of uh, places that will, um, you know, you know, uh, juice that, that suspicion for you, confirm that suspicion. Mm. Yeah, that's the that's the thing, you know, like all the promise of the Internet was that like people would talk, oh, communities that are more marginalized can get in touch with each other or, you know, like minded people. And, you know, everyone thought that was like, I don't know, you'd find your crochet club or, you know, if you were into, <laughs> a, a, you know, a specific TV show, you could find your community. Well, it also turns out that it also helps people connect who have more hateful views. Um, that are of a minority opinion still, but, you know, it helps them gain more power in the same way other minority views have been able to gain more power through the Internet. Mm. So here we are. <laughs> <laughs> here we are watching the Dave Chappelle special. Yeah. Yep. That was the closer. <laughs> yeah. I'm not going to say I never laughed, but yeah. really it was just, I, I don't think, you know, there's some people on there who are like, you know, I don't agree with what he's saying, but, but he, he's really skilled as a comedian. I, I didn't see that comedic skill on display yeah. during this special. I, I, there's kind of a new wave of comedy specials that aren't really super comedic, but more serious talks that the, you know, the comedian thinks is important like this is one i remember uh nanette was oh yeah a, a yeah i didn't one. like nanette either <laughs> maybe, maybe that tells you something yeah no, i didn't like nanette um so like i don't know i think this may be again we're also you know in this time where you know we have figured out that everything is political so some you know big people who are able to have big draws 
are making it so. <laughs> um, and using- so, do you think we can trace this all back to three mics? Yeah. I don't know. I'm asking. Do you, do you think that's fair? I mean, I think I don't think I can remember anything earlier than Neil Brennan's three mics that would would kind of be more serious. For those of you who aren't aware, Neil Brennan was actually the co-creator of the Chappelle Show with Dave Chappelle, and he put out a special years ago now called Three Mics, where he kind of had three mics set up on the stage, and one mic was for one-liners, one mic was for traditional stand-up stories, and one mic was for, what he said, serious stuff. So, like, stories about his life and his struggles with mental health and and what have you. And so maybe maybe that is a shift in stand-up comedy. Maybe Neil Brennan is the genius we all want him to be. Yeah. (laughs) I still just love that, uh, just that one line in uh, the Chappelle skit about, like, um, you know, if he was witnessing r kelly peeing on this girl is like i got my boy neil there taking notes (laughs) his grandma's gotta be there yeah yep that's our robert always peeing on people (laughs) oh it's good that uh r kelly got convicted and put away oh absolutely yes yeah long time coming but yeah, but um, clearly Chappelle was joking about it 15 years ago. Yeah, we definitely have these new comedy specials that are, I don't know. I mean, it's like comedians trying to use their space to talk about things that aren't necessarily funny. You know, it's a, it's a twist of the medium. And, you know, sometimes, it, I mean, it, it really comes down to if you're receptive to the message. And mm-hmm. if you believe the message is worthwhile and but then also you get into debates of like, well, do we call this a comedy special then? Do we call this a, a lecture with some really good jokes in it? Like, um, you know, it's just <laughs> it's a it's a question of form factor. You know, I don't mm-hmm. think every comedy special just needs to be this slapstick thing. But then also like what is what is this other form this new emerging form of of comedy special and then you get into bo burnham's inside which i just think is straight up a film right like there's no audience he tells some jokes but for the most part it is a carefully written i mean it's a comedy film edited piece yeah i i consider it to be a film whereas the closer I, i wouldn't consider it to be a film um but you know that's just me. What the fuck do I know? Yeah. Yeah. It's uh, it's different things in the world of creativity. Classifications mean nothing. So. <laughs> and then to some people, they mean everything. Yeah. So, Evan, do you got anything else to add to this? Um. Yeah. I mean, disappointing special. Um, we'll see. We'll see what happens on Monday. We'll see if that walkout happens. Yeah. Netflix is. Uh, I don't know. It's a pretty high strung, you know, they ask a lot of their employees and they do a lot of turnover kind of generally. Mm-hmm. So it'll just be interesting to see how they, how that happens, how that goes down. But well, if you don't have anything else to say, I I'm done as well. Um, we would like to thank you all for listening. We would like to thank Anthony Hish for the music. And if you're still listening, I I would like to do a shameless plug. I have a new newsletter 
about uh, the happenings in Galesburg and my thoughts and you know hopes for the future of the town. So if you would like to deliver, you know, uh, you know, sign up for that, it's called Inland Nobody at Substack.com. I'll put a link down in the description. I hope you uh, sign up for it. But anyway, my name's Joe Hicks, and mine's Evan Kelly. I hope that you've been adequately informed.